Amen, Chuck. We're truly blessed, aren't we? What a great holiday, Thanksgiving. It's about time we thank God, isn't it? We need to think of more often. We're so grateful for so many things, and uh, one of the great uh, blessings is to be assembled here this morning. We had a great assembly and a praise service for Pat Longoria, and uh, it was such a wonderful celebration of her life. What a great lady. And two of her relatives are here this morning. Juanita, Angelina, do you, can you raise your hand back there, please? We're so glad you're here with us. Our hearts are hurting, and uh, we miss her already. And uh, we want to make them feel welcome. Thank you for being here. And I want to invite them to our Bible study on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock here at the building. We're, uh, we sit around, and I want to tell you a little bit about the church here Saturday morning. So we look forward to that at 10 o'clock. Isn't it a blessing to be able to praise somebody into heaven like Pat? What a great, what a great service. What a great time together as we uh, celebrated her Christian walk and what she's meant to us. I told Al he married way above his head. And he agreed. Oh, she meant so much to us and still does. Amen. Amen. Strong lady. Precious. I wanted to talk to you this morning about something uh, I think that falls in line with uh, what we did the other night with Pat and Al and all of their friends and relatives. And that is the fact that we need to focus on God. We're, we're getting to be a nation who doesn't focus on God enough. It's like the man who walked into the hardware store and he walked past the cash register and there was a, there was a parrot sitting on a perch and it yelled at him and said, hey, mister. He said, what? And he said, you're stupid and ugly. <laughs> and it shocked him and he, he walked back into the hardware store. He walked back by the cash register again, that pair said, hey, mister. He said, what? You're stupid and you're ugly. And he was upset. He walked up to the manager and said, that parrot is calling me names over there. And the manager walked over to the parrot and picked him up by the neck and said, don't call my customers names. Put the parrot back on its perch. And that guy was walking out. He was checking out at the cash register. And the parrot looked at him and said, Hey, mister, and he said, what? And he said, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I think we have, we have read the Bible so much that we forget. We know it, but we forget it. We know what, but we read scripture so much, we forget. In just a few moments, I want you to turn. We'll go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want you to, we're going to read a story. We're going to talk about a young man by the name of David and a big giant named Goliath. And I want you to pretend that you don't know this story. You know this story. Raise your hand if you know it. Okay? David and Goliath. Pretend you don't know this story. Okay? Just pretend. Just put that on suspension this morning. 
we're going to talk about it because I want you to see some things you've never seen before in your life. And it's so prevalent for us today because we take our eyes off of God. Amen. The Hebrew writer said, focus your eyes on Jesus. We don't do that enough. On the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, Peter wanted to make three tabernacles to honor Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And what did God say? God said, look at Jesus. Focus on my son. Not on those men. Focus on my son. Focus on God. That's our title this morning. If you have an outline, make sure you follow along in that outline. Fill in the blanks. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Jim back there is passing out outlines. There's some over here and some in the back that don't have them. Raise your hand so we can pass these out. Oh, Tom's coming up. Thanks, Tom. Make sure we get all the people to get an outline in their hands. We need to focus on Jesus. We really do. And we don't do it enough. In fact, when you think about focusing on Jesus... We have to make sure that he's prevalent in our minds, don't we? He's got to be there up front. Don't put him on the back burner. Put him on the front burner. This is a picture of two young people I used to know. Uh, Fran and I have been married about a year here, I think. Uh, that was probably, what, 10 or 15 years ago, Fran? <laughs> I'm already in trouble for the pictures I showed in Bible study this morning, so I'm not going to get... But I do want you to notice I'm really styling. Did you notice the white and red pants here? Oh, man, I'm telling you, we were dressed. That was back in the 70s, the 1970s, not 2000. Uh, and we've been married 50 years, and she's precious to me. And Fran has been the person in my life that helps me stay focused on God. When I have problems, we focus on God. I'd be in a ditch someplace if I hadn't married Fran. She's been a blessing in my life. But as people of the Lord, we have to surround ourselves with people that focus on God. That's the only way we can do it. It breaks my heart when I notice that one of our brothers or one of our sisters is missing is not in worship or not in Bible study because I know they've taken their eyes off the Lord. The Bible is full of things that tell us focus on God. That's why I want us to pay attention because if we don't pay attention, we'll drift. And what happens to a boat that's drifting? It goes any place, wherever the wind blows, wherever the waves are going. That's where the boat goes. And that's what I see in many families, in many lives. People are drifting. People are not keeping their eyes focused on God. In fact, we drift spiritually, we drift morally, we drift physically, we drift financially. We're drifting all over the place. That's why our lives are a mess. That's why our marriages are a mess. That's why this country's in a mess. Because we're drifting in so many ways. I, I like what Rockefeller said. He said, Worship money and you will never have enough. Isn't that true? That's one of the big factors in our lives. When I do marriage counseling, number two, two things. They either don't have enough money or they have too much money. It's that that's way with everybody. There's always problems. And much of it 
comes from finances. And Rockefeller knew that. I was watching a show on uh, 60 Minutes, and they were on this huge, it was the world's fastest yacht. And it must have been 80 feet long or 100 feet long. It was huge. And this billionaire, he was so proud of the fact it was the world's fastest yacht. He had four engines in it, and that thing was moving. And the, the, the man from the television show asked him a question. Uh, what kind of money do you spend on this? He said, well, it cost me $700 an hour just to put gas in those engines. $700 an hour, that, that yacht was burning gas. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. But he said, well, how, when are you going to have enough money? He said, I'll never have enough. With a smile on his face, I'll never have enough. A billionaire, and he didn't have enough. He wanted more. What was he focused on? He wasn't focused on his family. He wasn't focused on his marriage. It was a mess. His life was a mess. But he sure wanted that money. That was the most important thing in his life. Billionaires eventually do understand the important things in life, many times just before they die. Well, Israel and Christians, even our United States country is all drifting. We're all drifting because we're not keeping our eyes focused on the Lord. Do you realize in this country alone, over 70% of Americans believe in God? Less than 23% of Americans attend church? What does it tell you? We got a lot of believers out there, but they're not worshiping. They're not studying their Bibles. That is really a devastating fact when you look at the percentages. It should make us understand there's something wrong or something's out of whack. Something's not, not good, not correct in this country. We have to focus on God. Drifting is disastrous to our country and even our own lives. Things can go crazy and we'll lose control. It happens all the time. And really, God wants us, to, he says, concentrate on my word in 2 Timothy 2.15. He wants us to make sure that we're concentrated on his word. Hence, because we're concentrating on the Bible, we'll be concentrating on him. Because we're concentrating on the Bible, we'll concentrate on Jesus. He knows the key to this is where he talks to us in the word of God. Focus on scripture. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? Truth. The word of truth. 2 Peter 3, 1, 20 and 21 says, Knowing this verse, no prophecy of the scriptures of private interpretation, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Men didn't write the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. When we understand that all the answers are in that book, we'll understand the importance of the Bible and the importance of knowing God and focusing on him. When we drift, we take our vision off of God. And every life is a boat. We're all adrift. Where are we going to sail to? That's the key. I'll tell you, I know where Pat was sailing to. Pat was sailing to heaven. She was sailing to the Lord. 
I love the fact that nautical terms are used in the Bible. And the Lord tells us in Matthew and Jesus tells us in Mark that when we live this earth, we're going someplace. But we don't realize he uses nautical terms to tell us when we're going away, there's another shore on the other side that's welcoming us. The Lord sees us as ships that are sailing, that are sailing, and we're leaving the earth, but we're going to heaven. And that's what I think about when I think of Pat. She knew where she was going. She pointed her boat in the right direction. She was always concerned about spiritual things. How, how many of you have been on the soaring ride at Disney World? Anybody been on that ride? Okay. Did it scare you? Oh. It scared me so bad. You know, when you sit in these seats, these seats, there's three rows of them. You can't see the third row. The third one rows over here. But there's only about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people in each one of these. And ten people over here and ten people over here on this side. And then they close all, they lock you in, and then they take you up to the ceiling, which is about 20 feet, maybe 15, 20 feet high. And then this mammoth screen comes in front of you, and you're soaring. It takes you soaring. You're soaring like you're up in the mountains. There's pictures of mountains in front of you. And then a plane going into the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and I was so scared. And my grandson was sitting next to me, and he's leaning over. And I said, Drew, sit back. I thought we were up 15,000 feet on that mountain. It, my senses were horrible. And I thought it felt like we were 15,000 feet up in the air. We were only about 30 feet, 20 or 30 feet. Oh, it was so scary. I'm telling you, when you don't focus on the floor, the floor's right there. If you don't focus on the floor, you get scared, believe me. And that's how it is with God. If we don't focus on him, we'll get scared. Scared of life. Scared of circumstances. God wants us to focus on him. And that's where he brings us. He brings us to the idea of understanding that. Now you can see the screen. See, you're going over the San Francisco Bridge. It really looks like you're going over. And if you, if you haven't been on that ride, don't get on it. <laughs> it will scare you to death. They, when I got off and got on the floor, I stumbled. I was trying to hold on to things. Not everybody gets that way, but I did. You know, I'm not afraid of heights as long as I have a foot on the ground. I don't have any fear of heights. Otherwise, I do have fear. And the older I get, the more afraid I get of heights. In fact, it scares me to walk to the edge of the stage right here. <laughs> I have to hold. Do you notice I'm holding on to the pole? It's a long way down at my age. Uh, but these things will scare you if you're not focusing on the right thing. And this is what it looks like when you're soaring over the Grand Canyon. I'm telling you, it'll scare you. Take an extra pair of underwear. <laughs> and you can't see me. <laughs> I'm holding on to the seat. Let me tell you, it scared me. Uh, but those are the kind of ways, those are things that we experience when we don't focus on God. You see how they let you off on the ground? And our feet are on the ground, thank the Lord. That's how you feel when you're not focusing on the floor on ground, solid ground. The Israelites did that. They were looking at everything else in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
They weren't looking at God. They were looking at Goliath. Here they were at the Valley of Elah. Here's Israel on this side of the valley. And over here on the other side is the Philistines. And over here, every day, Goliath walks down into the valley. If you look at your footnotes in 1 Samuel 17, you'll know that he was 9 foot 9 inches tall. Anybody ever seen anybody that was 9 foot 9 inches tall in here? I don't think you have. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, I have a Bible study with an NBA referee. And uh, he told me when he refereed some games, games for the Detroit Pistons, Ben Wallace, <laughs> he's got to be 6'10", 6'8". He said he is a mountain. He said, I was so intimidated by him when he walked up to me. People don't realize how big those NBA players are. And he said, it intimidates you. They're so big. And that's what happened to the Israelites. They were so intimidated by Goliath that they were focusing on the wrong thing. In fact, when David got there, they said, uh, have you seen this guy? And, and David's wondering, what are you looking at? You're looking at this, this giant. David kept looking at God. You could see it in the words in the, in the verses, in fact. And he tells us. In fact, there are three verses in that chapter. When David got to the battle, they said, do you know what's going to happen to the guy who kills Goliath? The king's going to make him wealthy. He's going to marry his daughter, Michael, and he's not going to have to pay any taxes. And David said, what's going to happen to the guy that kills Goliath? And they said, he's going to be wealthy, he's not going to pay any taxes, and he's going to be able to marry Michael, his daughter. And the Bible says one of David's brothers said, what are you doing here? You're just a kid. And David said, can I just check into this? And then he, he asked them again. Three times he asked them, what's going to happen to the man that kills Goliath? Three times. I never noticed that before. But David was interested in the rewards. Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to tell, tell, let you see what he was really focusing on. It comes later on in the chapter. But David wanted to focus on the right thing, and that was the Lord. He said, you're a boy, and he's a fighting man. Who was Saul focusing on? Saul was focusing on Goliath, wasn't he? You see, they thought Saul was going to fight Goliath because the Bible says in chapter 14 that Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. So they thought, well, Saul will go fight Goliath. He's the biggest one we have. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Israelite army, nobody had weapons except Saul and his son Jonathan. They were the only ones that had swords. The rest of the Israelites were all farmers. They just brought their farming implements to fight the Philistines. That's what it tells you. Saul is concerned. That's why Saul tried to put his armor on David and give him a sword. And David couldn't even pick it up and carry it. Here's Saul. It's huge, and David's a little teenager. And he said, I can't wear this. I'm just going to take my sling. That's what he did. And he fought Goliath. Now, he, what, what Israel was saying is, did you see this man? David said, he defied the armies of the living God. You guys don't understand what's important here. It's not that he's a giant. It's that he defied the armies of the living God. That's what David was looking at. 
and concerned about. And so that's why David had his eyes focused in the right direction. We get so unfocused in life. Do you know what we focus on? We focus on our jobs, our unemployment, our children. We focus on the COVID vaccine. We focus on our marriage problems. We focus on our problems with our children. We ought to be focused on God. God has the answers. That's what happens when we become unfocused in life. And that's why David says, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. That was his speech. In fact, I want to read the speech. I've got it here in 1 Samuel 17. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. I want you to listen to what David says here. <laughs> in fact, if you don't mind, if you don't mind underlining the word God or the Lord in your Bible, I want you to do this. When we were in Bethany, Israel, uh, we've been there four times, but one time, like in 85, the first time we went there, a man, he gave us an exhibition of a sling, and he put a large rock in that sling, and he started swinging it over his head like this, and, sling, and, and just quickly, and all of a sudden he let go, and it sounded like a rocket. It went by us so fast. I never knew a sling was that powerful, but it would kill a person, let me tell you. And that's what David was using. Listen to what David says when he gets in front of Goliath. Goliath says, you're just a baby. Who sent a dog out to fight me? David said in verse 45, listen to this. And I want you to underline the word, the Lord or the God, every time he says it. David said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The day of the Lord... The day of the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give your carcass to the Philistine army, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. That's it. David focused on God. Did you notice how many times he used that word? He was more concerned about Yahweh. He was more concerned about Elohim. He was concerned about Adonai. He knew God was going to take care of them. Not their swords. Not their weapons. Not their bravery. David didn't look at Goliath. He looked at God. Now, you remember in the New Testament when Jesus was standing there, a soldier came up to him, and he said, my son has died. He said, go home. He said, okay. He said, I'll go home. And he went home, and he was, he was well. But you know, Jesus was going to come to his house, and he said, no, you don't have to go to my house. I know that you'll heal him. He believed God. He believed Jesus would take care of it. That soldier had faith. He had his eyes focused on the Lord, not on his son's illness. Uh, last week, Leslie came forward, and Leslie uh, said that she wanted to put Christ on a baptism. And she, what was interesting about Leslie is she was concerned about her soul, and she was focusing on the right thing, and that was the Lord. 
uh, eight weeks ago, we were in uh, St. Joseph Hospital in, uh, in Ypsilanti. And uh, at my brother's bedside in room 678. And uh, we were standing around his bed. And it just seems like yesterday. It was eight weeks ago, but it seemed like yesterday. He had, he had contracted stage four lung cancer. And then because they put something in his lungs to, to take out the liquids, uh, he developed MRSA, and then he got sepsis, and then his kidneys started to shut down, and uh, my, my sister-in-law, Shelly, made a decision to take him off the ventilator, and when she made that decision, the whole family agreed, because his fingers and his toes started turning black, and uh, he wasn't able to go on, so we said it was time. So after they took him off the ventilator, he took about 12 breaths, and then Randy was gone. My brother, who's a registered nurse, said he's gone. And so we all stood around the bed, and we did what we did at my mom's bed when she died. We sang together. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God And He walks with me And He talks with me and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, as ever And then my sister-in-law, Shelley, led us in a, we recited, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. He makes me. But that's what we did at the bedside for Randy. <clears throat> and I always end my lesson with a, a plea to anyone. If you're here this morning and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you know what my brother would say? Randy would say, don't you dare leave this building without being baptized to have your sins washed away. Don't you dare leave this building without putting Christ on in baptism. Don't you dare leave this building without the Lord saving you, Mark 16, 16. Don't you dare leave this building without putting Christ on in baptism. So I'm telling you that this morning. Don't do it. We don't know how long we're going to live on this earth. Randy was 64, and I think of him every day. And, of course, we think of my precious sister-in-law, Shelly. My brother was Randy, and Shelly's my, my wife's sister. So we're very close to them. But we learned what's really important, and that is focusing on God. So as we stand to sing this song, don't take your eyes off the Lord. Let's encourage one another right now.